You're listening to the Hal and Steve podcast, and this is Hal, and today I have Dustin Stats here. Dustin, if you can introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Dustin. I am a educator and currently located in Los Angeles. I do a lot of games or game-based learning, gamification. Um, I also have a podcast called Board Game of Education, but I'm super excited to be here. I had you and Steve on the podcast, and it was a lot of fun. I always love talking about English language education, uh, especially internationally, so it'll be a good chat. Yeah, same here. I remember that well. Um, and I think you've got just such a huge project that I'm kind of excited to talk about it as well. So uh, if you don't mind, let's let's talk about that and also our listeners i think dustin's somewhat of an expert or uh, definitely very experienced with the use of games in the classroom correct right yeah so i love using games in class as much as possible well, to a certain extent i suppose um i don't and when i say games i don't mean like um time-killing games. A lot of the games I use in class have a specific learning outcome tagged to them. Uh, so it's not just like doing hangman on the board, but it's doing something that integrates whatever grammar point or grammar structure we're studying in class or using a communicative-based approach to learning uh, that we usually do when we implement or I do when I implement games in my class. Hmm. Yeah, I actually would term games when I'm in, this, in the classroom or in the school I use the word learning based activities but, um, because there's you know there are there's the goals in there but yeah I mean basically the that's what we're talking about right 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 there's a oh man because uh, something else I also do is gamification which is a little bit different um, it's more adding gaming elements onto something that is not game-like setting. But uh, they have a new term. Oh, I can't remember the name. It's something like learning, a uh, playful learning game, playful learning activity. Oh, I can't remember the name, but because there's a, a lot of, uh, I guess, kind of have a negative connotation when you say playing games in school and people think that we aren't learning. Definitely. And, and I think uh, as teachers, as teachers as well, I think um, there's maybe two aisles and there's like, there's like a, there's a two sides to it. There's teachers that will probably be like, yeah, I love to use games in the classroom. It's a great thing. And then there's probably that other side of, of teachers that are like, oh, that's, you know, don't use like you, as you said, like, that's just to kill time. That's uh, what's the point of that? I think there's a division, a clear division there. So, right. I just hope no one's turned off by the term game. <laughs> right. There's a, there's a there's a spectrum there. Yeah, so I mean, we'll and I think that a bit. Right, and I think using games, quote unquote, to kill time is is also a useful way to build relationships with your students. Obviously. You shouldn't be doing that often, but if you have a moment where you can kind of 
build some rapport with your students by doing a fun activity, I think that those are perfect opportunities to do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's important to keep an open mind. And uh, I've done a bit of research. I've also read that even if you're talking about Strictly as a, as a time killer, there's also the element of your students can only do a, a certain amount of time of just pure learning, right? So they need a break. Um, they need breaks. They can't just absorb information for two hours straight, right? So I, I've also read there's there's fun, there's a function of um, you know rebooting the brain basically for the for the for the poor kids that are on that uh, that all day affair, especially here in Asia. Right, right. I mean, yeah, especially in, in countries that learning is is nonstop. Nine to nine. <laughs> but yeah, um, let's jump into what you got going on. Can you uh, tell us about your project, and maybe you can maybe you can connect that to the classroom as well? How you started out and got on that journey? Right. Yeah. So initially, I had taught in Korea for my first year of teaching, and that was in 2012. And at the time, and we'll kind of talk about this later, I, I realized I was doing something that there was a, an educational term for, and that's gamification. And in a lot of okay. Korean like cram schools or after-school programs in other countries, you have some sort of extrinsic reward system. And in my cram school, we did the star system. So students would earn a blue star if they answer a question correctly, um, if you want to reinforce some behavior that they're doing, you give them a blue star. Uh, if you're, some students are doing something that you don't want them to do, give them a red star. So this system worked pretty pretty well for most of my classes, um, well, well, as well as some other classroom management techniques that I used. Uh, but as a first-year teacher, I think uh, classroom management is one of those things that's like a huge, huge learning curve. You... <laughs> You really learn to adapt well said. learn what well works said. and what doesn't. And I had one class of boys that they were I mean, mainly boys. There were a couple of girls that just, they were speaking Korean. And, you know, in most Korean schools, you're supposed to use the, the mother or the, the second language. And they were getting out of their seat, you know, playing with each other, just doing what they were not supposed to be doing. And I decided to do something mm. different. And Avengers, the movie, was super popular at the time. And so what I did is I manipulated our star system. And instead of receiving stars, all of the students, they got into groups and they each chose an Avenger. And their goal was to move their Avenger across the board to fight Loki on the other side of the board. And to do that, they needed to answer questions correctly. Or maybe a student in one of the groups were work a student was working silently and they their Avenger would move across the board. But I also didn't want to take away things that they were working so hard for. So I didn't want to move their Avenger back. So instead I created or I chose an Avenger myself. And so if they were doing something that they shouldn't be doing, my Avenger moved towards Loki. So they really didn't want me, the teacher, to get the opportunity to fight Loki at the end of class. Um, so I think that worked really well with this group of students. And I think looking back, it would have been really cool to make a, a cutout of myself as, as a superhero. 
And also, it would have been maybe something unique to add at the end if the group does make it. They get to choose a student in their group to like throw a piece of paper at the board on a target where Loki's at to see if they earn extra stars at the end. But that was that was what I was doing initially. I didn't realize there was a term for that, and that was gamification. Okay, and to be clear, I'm assuming gamic gamification is change education into a game-based activity? Um, yeah, essentially... What is the term? Yeah, I mean, gamification, it doesn't necessarily have to do with education either. It's uh, The technical definition would be taking game elements and add them, adding game elements to a non-gaming setting. Mm. So a lot of okay. schools do stuff like this already. And there's a book called... Doctalysis Framework um, by Yukai Chow. And this is a super, I love this book because it, it breaks down like hundreds of different things and classifies them into eight different gamification categories. Um, and an example would be like um, in a lot of schools, the school that I'm working at now, they do houses. Or not houses, I guess they do universities. But some schools do houses like White House. Uh, yellow house so this is something in psychology called the in-group out group and this is also a way to use gamification they they develop a sense of camaraderie with their house or with their university okay and so and so you had that positive experience and then you and then you just continued from there Yes and no. <laughs> and you kept developing your, your art. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your I, I think about two and a half years ago, maybe three years ago, is when I started, I guess, realizing that there is a term that I was employing and that I can develop these strategies. Before it was just, how do I make my lessons more engaging? And then I realized that thing I was right. falling back on was creating these game-based activities and that they worked really well too because uh, students were engaged in the activity and they were focused on what they were doing. They were learning without realizing they were learning, which was a huge, huge positive or benefit to doing that. Okay, and so was there a point where you were like, so you're a teacher of and, but was there a point where you where you realized, hey, I'm more concerned with curriculum and uh, these strategies and developing tools for teachers, and that's that's my place because there's these things that should be available to teachers, but they're not. So that's gonna be sort of my new focus and being more and more removed, still teaching, but transitioning to that yeah i mean that that's i would say that's the ultimate goal definitely i still like any teacher that had ever had a passion for teaching i think it's hard for them to leave the classroom and for me i feel i feel that same that same sense where i don't want to completely remove myself from the classroom at least not yet um so but i, I love working on things like this as a side project and that's something that I really want to develop a community of here in Los Angeles now that I'm back in the States. Um, it's something that I did do in Taiwan a bit. We had some professional developments about 
employing game-based strategies and we had uh, different tutoring sessions, tutoring English through board games as well. Okay. And so what's your, where are you at now with, uh, with these, um, these strategies and, um, and have you reached a, a point where you've kind of settled on something and, and you're applying it in the classroom? You did mention the, the project I'm working on, which is World's XP. That's something that is or has been a main focus of mine. I really want to create tools for teachers. That's one thing I noticed when I wanted to implement gamification in my classroom. I wanted to gamify my whole university class uh, two years ago, and I realized there's a lot of there's a lot of teachers doing stuff okay. out there, and there's a lot of resources. And the thing that's missing are the physical components that let you do it. And that's kind of something okay. that I've been working on recently is developing those those physical components in this step-by-step process of this is how you can do it or how you or what works best so so how would one do that do you have any tips there i i um i i think i see your point there i'm i'm in the classroom and i've i've played around with um, sort of physical elements as you know, like with Hal and Steve, I've um, made a lot of card decks, learning card decks um, that you have to, I mean, you have to print yourself, but then I, and I've done the board game. You can print the dice and glue it together and form the dice and, and form the board markers. And for me, um, now that's those are physical resources you have to make yourself but I, I don't know if you're if you're saying in a different way like you actually like, get the physical resources from somewhere else but in my experience so far um, those card decks are just are just great for getting your kids to, to speak English and are uh, like a physical based resource that that have been really helpful no I, I mean those resources like that are are absolutely very beneficial to learning and to engaging students and i remember when i reached out to you because you had posted those in one of the english learning english teaching facebook groups and things like that are really awesome opportunities to get students talking especially students that are a little bit more shy um, and that's one thing that I've kind of discovered through my research in game-based learning and English language education is that students who have a game and they're using a game in class they are not focused on being an English learner but instead they they are a game player and when they take on that role as a game player they're less afraid of making mistakes because when you're an English learner you're super conscious about what you say how you say it uh how you look as you say it are you gonna mess up how you pronounce it but as a game player you're you're worried about being involved in this community of uh people playing the game and you're involved in winning the game and that 
falls on a lot of extrinsic and intrinsic motivations that a game is able to build. Okay. Yeah, I think that connects to a little bit of, of what I've read. And, and I mentioned that before, that there's this window of time that learning can take place. But in that game-based environment, uh, I read that like that, that window can be magnified. Like, I, I think this connects to what you're suggesting. So if you put them in that environment, you know, there's a transition there. And they can stay engaged and learn for hours when they're in that mode, right? As opposed to the mode that they're in in the traditional. Yeah, 100%. That's, I mean, that's something else that games can provide is something called the flow state. And in games, that happens when mm -hmm. you are... Tell me about the flow you, state. I'm, I'm sorry. It sounds amazing. I yeah, talk about uh, the flow It's state. just something that a game can provide, and I think it's one of the reasons I like board games a lot, is a good board game has you in a flow state where it's just difficult enough to want you to keep continuing. Um, so it's not too easy, it's not too difficult, but it's, it's just right there in front of you, right there in front of you, so you can just barely reach it. And that's... I think a way that a lot of games, or I think games have that flow state and provide that flow state a lot. Uh, okay, I'm with you now. So uh, another element is this um, reward-based system uh, or, or re reinforcing, basically reinforcing possibly. And I think that's another line where you can put kind of teachers into two boxes. So we, I talked about before, you've got teachers where like games are a great thing in the classroom. And then there, maybe there's teachers that say that's not the case. And I think it's the same thing with um, reward-based uh, management system and then a uh, punishment if I should say positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement, basically, basically those two kinds of classroom management systems. How do you feel about that sort of dichotomy? I think that highlighting positive behaviors that you want to reinforce in your classroom has a tremendous impact on that student as well as other students. Uh, so if you have a student who is doing something they shouldn't be doing. Maybe, for example, like even t even using today as an example, I had one student, who we, our classrooms in Los Angeles, they're outside, or I guess the PE class. So there's their tables outside and one student, he, he was a fifth grader, so a younger student, but he crawled up over the table and he put his like whole body across the table and then got into the other side of the table and then he sat down on the other side. And then I just looked at him, I kind of gave him a funny look and then I looked at the rest of his classmates and I said, I really want to thank your classmates for sitting in their seats properly. And that student kind of just, you know, he gave, gave me that look like, oh man, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have done that. And that doesn't have me give any negative behavior or in, uh, highlight any negative behavior of that student, but instead helps that student focus on the positive behavior that's around him. 
Right. And why, so why do you prefer that method? Why not just yell at the kid and <laughs> use your authority <laughs> well, I mean, I, I relied on that a lot as a first-year teacher, and I realized that was not as effective as highlighting the positive behaviors in class and really striving for those behaviors in the, or striving for the culture in my classroom by highlighting those beha- behaviors. Like even using that as an example, the example I used, I pretty much killed two birds with one stone, right? I, I uh, kind of showed that student that his behavior is not acceptable and then I also showed and highlighted behavior that was acceptable and more than acceptable is like a, a way to model behavior for that student too okay right so it's you would say it's both more efficient and effective yeah I mean System. in my experience that's definitely I mean I guess you wouldn't say that for all students, I suppose. Um, some students kind of, you kind of need them to, maybe you need to raise your voice a little bit and then they kind of straighten up. But uh, a lot of times what I, I've learned here with, I guess students at high school now in Los Angeles, a lot of pull aside conversations are very impactful in talking to students and kind of getting them to understand their behavior and walk them through their behavior process. because students especially like element or middle school students they they just act in that moment and you kind of have to help them realize what they did and help them consider those moments in the future and then they have the opportunity to kind of pull back what what they had the behavior the negative behavior they had done before okay so so you've reinforced that that positive behavior, um, but how about the um, how about the system for uh, rewarding learning and um, and positive behavior versus um, a system where you know maybe some teachers feel like well you're spoiling the children if you're rewarding them um, when you should be, you know, just strictly enforcing rules and, and punishing um, Right, I guess, well, when yep. rewarding in a sense Go that ahead. it could even be just something as like, hey, good job, thank you for sitting in your seat. Um, thank you, <laughs> Brandon, for uh, sitting silently and looking at the teacher. So I don't think that would fall into necessarily spoiling um, but definitely making sure that students are following the rules is important and again I think it it comes back to almost killing two birds with one stone if you're highlighting the positive behavior you're kind of inadvertently showing what the negative behavior is without highlighting it so it's kind of something a lot of times we're taught as teachers is don't use negative words like don't run instead it's can we walk slowly please so we're highlighting what behavior should be like with also showing kind of secretly what you should not be doing oh yeah i mean it it sounds like you're doing it the right way i guess i'm 
I guess I'm just um, pointing the case more like myself a lot of times. Like I, I reinforce the positive behavior, but I'm always, you know, through compliments and stuff. But I'm, I'm often worried that won't be enough. So I, that's why I also create like a reward-based system where they can earn those, earn those, you know, stars or dollars or candy. And that's, I think, where it gets trickier. That's that's my concern. Oh right, if yeah. You know so I, mean. I guess with something like that, because um, it then it falls into more of an intrinsic, extrinsic physical rewards, right? Um, and then one right. thing that maybe I can talk about with World's XP that you can do also in other situations is have certain. Uh, reward levels that also give students more responsibility or more opportunities to be members of their classroom. Um, so, for example, with World's XP, once they reach a certain okay. level, this is something that teacher could employ: is they get a choice to they get to choose which role they want to uh, take on in their classroom. So, maybe one of the students they reach level two, they can now become the attendance taker. Or someone reaches level two, now they can become the one that chooses groups for the teacher. So that is a, giving students a sense of community and ownership in their classroom. Instead of just, you know, focusing on these points, they're also feeling responsible for their peers' learning and their own learning. Okay, yeah, that that's an excellent point. That makes a ton of sense to me. So. So how would you how would how would you advise you know a teacher just starting out and they and they're trying to come up with a, a classroom management system um, but they probably don't know how to connect those sorts of elements that you're talking about they're just like got thrown the curriculum thrown you know a bunch of kids like. How do you, how would you, how would you start out? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's tough. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) A lot of it's trial and error and experimenting. And even, even day to day with your same students, you kind of figure out what works and what doesn't. One book that really helped me and that a school I worked at modeled their classroom culture and classroom management and school culture on is teach like a champion. Uh, when my wife and I moved to Taiwan three years ago, she, she was going to be a first-year teacher, and I just said, here, here, read this book. Um, but she loved it. I mean, she was highlighting things using sticky notes to remember different points. And I think that that book really helped her, but also just watching other teachers. And if you have a really good school that already has something okay. like that in place that is really great but if not you kind of you kind of really have to either experiment and and kind of build something yourself uh and decide what what kind of classroom culture you want um yeah it's hard it's hard (laughs) okay well maybe maybe i got a point there because maybe and maybe other teachers can with me here. I 
definitely experimented in a classroom, and I'm with you on that point. I think that is key, experimenting, because the classroom environment, especially for ESL, is diverse and ever-evolving, changing uh, place, depending on the mar- the education right. market, I guess you could even say. Um, but what I didn't do was I get, and I think maybe uh, other teachers are like this in my generation. We, we go to the web and we do a Google search and we find like, you know, top, top five ways to handle classroom management or, you know, this or that. But I never had someone say to me, hey, this is a great book, you know, this will give you a deep understanding and really help you out. And I never thought to uh, seek out a book. You know what I mean? The answer was to me right. was always to get on the computer and, and you know try to find a quick solution. I never thought about right. I mean, it really like it really is a holistic approach to creating a good classroom management and class culture. Because when we talk about experimenting, that's sometimes for us like a year or two of finally getting everything in place and realizing these little bits and pieces that have worked really well over time and sometimes like a book can get you started off on a very very good base level and then you figure out what you like and what you don't like or what works and what doesn't work okay I'm with you there um, and you've mentioned class culture a few times. I'm I'm curious again to understand that in like a technical sense, and why is it why is it important to understand that concept? I think class culture is a goes back to uh, students feeling like they are a part of something, making them feel like they're a part of something, and also making them feel responsible for their learning and responsible for their peers learning it's not just uh going to school getting this knowledge and leaving like there's a sense of ownership and community that is really important and i think having that and having a very safe space for learners is very impactful on how much they're able to learn too So, so that's what class culture is. How do you um, manage or create or observe that? I think as teachers, we have our, our own different personalities. I, For me, one way that I've used class culture is, or developed a class culture through games, for sure. Uh, World's XP is a way you could do it. Also, kind of having the same routine is a very base way to start i want to say uh one thing that you can kind of do with your routine is maybe implement small fun parts to your lesson for example i would always have when i taught university students like a motivating quote at the beginning of class um for younger students you can even ask them to write what that quote means to them but little things like this i think is really impactful and it makes them, it makes the students feel like you care as a teacher and it makes your class feel more than just 
It's cool. Okay. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but what occurs to me is that why it might be important to understand this is, uh, in my experience, if you have created a class culture where there is a class culture and you're, and you're not aware that it is a, a culture in your classroom, you may think, hey, I can, you know, I can whip these kids into shape. I'll just, you know, you know, add some rules or I'll do this or I'll do that. And then you may run into this problem. Well, hey, I've been, these kids aren't behaving and I've been trying to straighten this out for the last three months through various ways and it's not working out. And that maybe is because there has been a class culture established and like <laughs> that is ingrained in the kids and once you've got the culture set in that classroom the kids are gonna you, you're gonna have to you're gonna it's gonna take a lot of work to change that culture yes yeah, definitely that, i mean along the right if, lines if you have a i don't i guess i don't want to use the same word negative or maybe you could say like toxic class culture that's kind of been developed through your classes over weeks it takes a long time to reset it and there's a lot of i'm not a psychology or psychology expert but there is a lot of psychology that talks about like um and what is the word like triggers so something that normally you do every day you can add something to it to kind of shift it up so the students are already aware of this thing that happens every day so how can I change that thing to direct the behavior to a more positive behavior you want to focus on? Um, I can't think of a I can't think of a great example right now, but that's kind of how you might correct some of that behavior, um, a toxic class culture that you've kind of developed. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, I think that's a good word for it. I think uh, toxic class culture. And I think there's nothing to be ashamed of there, in my experience, especially working in ESL in South Korea, because a lot of times you'll walk in, I've worked for a lot of companies, and you'll work in, you'll walk into these private companies, and the class culture in your classroom is, is very much dependent on what's happening at the school or business as a whole, right? So they've established a lot of this culture. And I think that's what happens is there's a battle. Basically, between this culture I want to create in my classroom and what's happening in the school as a whole, I, I find that there's this toxic environment, this toxic culture. And, and maybe there's a lot of teachers that, Oh yeah, yeah. Get stuck I mean, in that battle, right? Definitely. I think looking at both ends, you might have a good school that has a really great classroom culture, and it's really easy to slide into creating a positive environment. I think the only thing you can really mm. do as a teacher in that battle is look at things that that school is doing, and how can you create a more, I guess, how can you flip those things on their head and turn it into something that you can manage 
to create more positivity in your class. Yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's hard when you're when you're working for maybe a school that is not doing the best to create that awesome culture that you're striving for as a teacher. Yeah, I guess that's a. Yeah, that's a. I feel like that's a. At least in Korea, that's a. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. <laughs> Okay, uh, yeah, that's all. That's all fascinating to me. Um, I, I hope for our listeners as well. I think um, these are, you know, big issues, and I think important, important ways to think about this kind of stuff. But let me move forward a little bit. Uh, let's see what else I have. So, I'm just curious if you, if you're in the classroom, you're doing your thing, right? And you've developed and you've researched and you're employing that. And then you have another teacher or maybe principal or vice principal walk into your classroom and say, you know, hey, what the heck are you doing? Why are you playing games with kids or you're you're playing too many games and they don't really you know take the time to see that actually you're employing strategies and that the kids are learning a lot you know we're just talking about a base level thing here what how would you answer that (laughs) i probably wouldn't be working for that school much longer (laughs) no i mean that's a good question i think i think most educators that have experience with what works and what doesn't in the classroom see the value in games so i hope that that conversation doesn't come up too often but i I mean i would point them in the direction of the engagement that the students are having or are involved in in the class i think that as it's really hard because in in taiwan students that are learning english are I guess it depends on the setting, but the general stereotype is that the general stereotype is that they are very shy and they're not willing to speak very often. And so games are really create great at creating those moments okay. where students are engaged and they're speaking in class. Um, but then if you go to a classroom that maybe has no problem speaking and maybe one of the problems they have is engaging in the lesson in a way that they're not distracted games are a really great way to focus that energy um yeah i think those are the engagement is the biggest for me i think that when i do game-based activities or game-based uh lessons in my classes those are the most engaging and usually the most rewarding for students too Yeah, I think on a similar element for me and how I would answer that question is, and I think this sounds kind of cliche, but it seems like the kids get inspired and, you know, their imagination gets going. And, you know, maybe 
inspiration and somewhat connected to engagement. You know, you can't, maybe you can't really inspire a kid if they're not engaged, if their mind's somewhere else, they're just there to memorize. But for me, that's the huge difference. When I, when I can engage the kids, I can, this is such a huge difference when you see them getting inspired and inspired and, and really yeah, connecting. Yeah, awesome. I mean, I totally, totally agree. So, yeah. Um, and I had an experience when I, when I worked at, for some private companies as well. This is, <laughs> that's interesting. That connects to what we're talking about. I, um, I had the experience where I went to the school and the head teacher said, at this point, I was fairly experienced. So I said, you know, there needs to be a curriculum in the classroom because at least in Korea, there's this idea that the foreign teacher or the wanamine or the native teacher is just there to have fun with the kids and to speak with the kids and have a conversation with the kids which is fine in a limited sense but uh, I didn't really buy into that at this point especially with a heavy load so I said you know there needs to be a curriculum right there needs to be structure structure is important too I, I definitely focus on speaking and conversation but I need I need curriculum and I need structure for these kids to keep me structured and to keep them structured because it's just so crucial for the kids to have a structure. You know, whether you're playing games or whether you're focusing on speaking or not. And that went well for a while. And then the head teacher, they hired this head teacher. The head teacher said, well, no, the curriculum is for my class, for Hal's class, my class. They should just be speaking doing conversation <laughs> so they don't need a book for this class so they called me into this meeting <laughs> and they stripped me of my curriculum and so I'm just stuck with these kids within, for, for an hour and the so I just I, I'm sure you know this like one hour of activities is on the wrong side of that spectrum. Like activities are the engagement part, but they need to be there needs to be a structure for them to be engaged upon. So I basically just did I mean I feel like I did a really good job. I did activities or games with them and then and then they critiqued me and they said Al, why why are you just playing games with the kids? an hour like, what are you doing and then I said well, what do you expect I thought that's what I was supposed to do activities for one hour so I don't know there was just this weird disconnect there like there's not a magic button press where the kids are just going to speak for one hour you have to right. create an right. uh, activity yeah. or a framework so I can only imagine right. that other I mean, especially out there especially if a lot of I guess, Asian countries is you're going in there and 
you're not really sure what to expect and you might get thrown into a school that that doesn't really have a curriculum and you just are the the foreign teacher that <laughs> that needs to get them to speak <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you are the teacher and you are the curriculum as well perhaps did you have um any negative experiences like that or were you able to I would say all my experiences was your path different positive in a sense that nothing that really crazy stuck out i mean of course there are a lot of challenges i worked for a company in taiwan they're a publishing company and i went around to i want to say i hit probably like 50 or 60 different schools and just uh, showed the other teachers how to use our materials and so i would demo materials for different groups of students i think that was probably yeah that that was that was it was, oh, that's it was good for and i did it for a short time because i, I moved to taiwan and i was really looking for a university position so i did that until the time being um, i think it really helped me learn a lot about taiwanese education too and kind of get a sense of what the students are like there and what english language education was like there uh, that was a bit challenging just because i i had to use the materials we were using and i had to use and teach specific like lessons based on requests from teachers so i had to be very creative in how to, how to approach those lessons wow yeah that is an... <laughs> that is very interesting i'm yeah i'm curious about that because i i often wonder what's on the other side of that I'm, if i'm understanding you correct, correctly but i've seen people come in and do demos and um, demonstrate curriculum and it's and you just kind of stand right. there and, and watch I think them it's, it's a great business model for sure like. uh, I um, mean they have a I think it's that company does like a monthly magazine for different levels and then they do like business English and other news English and science English and different magazines eventually have now partnered with a lot of bigger companies but in the past they were just like an english language magazine and you would go to the school and what they would do is because taiwan taiwanese schools were always looking for foreign teachers what they would do is say if you purchase x amount of magazines from us a year or semester we'll send you a foreign teacher to teach a lesson once every three months or something like that um so <laughs> I was kind of like a prize, <laughs> kind of a similar situation. The foreign teacher is the, the candy, I guess. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. And uh, we won't get into that, but I am uh, definitely interested in what is Taiwan culture there and what the education is like there um, as opposed to China and it's just a, a fascinating place there so, and you start you started out in Korea and right I mean Taiwan I also was in mainland China for a little bit in DC as well that's kind of the extent of my 
my teaching career, I did some volunteering, ESL volunteering in Nebraska okay. for a short time too. Oh. Okay, so you know, getting towards getting to towards the end of the podcast here, um, do you have any takeaways from from being all those places and teaching all those things, or or uh, a favorite place or school or system, or or maybe we? You're happy where you are now. A really good question. I think that I realized. (laughs) So this is probably leading back to why I'm doing the game-based learning, launching World XP. Is I like to create something and watch it grow. So I I really love to be in control of developing my own curriculum and developing my own lesson plans. And I guess every path I took along the way has just gotten me closer and closer to that. And I really hope to have my own program here in Los Angeles in the long in the long run. But um, I mean, if any teacher is thinking about on the fence about teaching abroad, or if you're just not a teacher and you're just curious and you just graduated, I would say go for it for sure. Definitely. The experience I gained teaching was was invaluable, even if I had left the teaching field. Um, but I didn't realize after I went abroad, I realized I really enjoyed education. And so I would say, for sure, go go teach abroad if you can. <laughs> right. Well, and and how about the other side of that? So for me. I've been abroad teaching for uh, close to 10 years and um, I don't know it just it really it really horrifies me the idea of doing it back in the US Um, I'm not sure why I guess I guess there's an idea that just in the I guess maybe it's I guess maybe it's rooted in my childhood and my experience in high school and middle school and I remember the teachers really having a hard time (laughs) and remember them giving them such a hard time and then I think there's that element and then there's also the element of getting used to life abroad and and there's an element of adventure to that I guess um so how has that was that an issue for you and um, if not what's the how do you I would say the, the biggest challenge for me in LA? is going back and starting over in LA in Taiwan I was pretty much on the top of my career path in Taiwan I could have probably advanced a little bit further, but I was essentially teaching at a university. I was getting private tutoring that was paying very well. And then I was also consulting at the Ministry of Education. So, I mean, that's that's the highest highest uh, organizational structure in education is yeah, in Taiwan. It. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was a it was a team decision. I'm 
100% happy here wow. in Los Angeles too. Just I have to start over <laughs> in that regard. Um, so I, I'm back at the school that I had been a, a TA in in Los Angeles before moving to Taiwan. Um, I we lived here for years. So I took a temporary TA position and did some substitute teaching at the school. Um, so I'm back doing something similar for the rest okay. of this semester, and hopefully we'll be able to transition into doing some other community college or university teaching. Uh, but really, really, the long term is to open a like kind of I say board game cafe, but more of a like a play space for learning, and really focusing on different innovative practices for teaching, like game-based learning or even project-based learning. And kind of like the after-school program structure that a lot of people are familiar with in Asia, but okay. more less rigorous, I guess, and more focused on uh, like building something or um, having just a space to kind of play, but also learn. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like you've got an environment or a network or a job there that you can put that passion to work. That yeah, I, about, I think realized it's it'll right? take a little bit to build a community, and that's what we'll be doing here for about a year is just doing events um, with board game with education and growing a community so that when we do open a physical space, we kind of can just bring that community with us. That's that's the blueprint anyways okay but uh so no there's no pool. Uh, nothing i know you say you're i guess you said you're on 100 percent happy there there's no there isn't that pool <laughs> I mean, from Taiwan it's always there i think you, you know that pretty well too after living abroad there's always always opportunity to go back abroad but it would have to be something that benefits both my wife and I and then eventually we'll probably have some kids so it'll have to be a good opportunity for our kids too uh, so it's not it's not gone and Taiwan offers some great uh, doctoral programs that they'll give money to a lot of people so <laughs> that's the thing I, I don't know I'm curious about it I assume I, I, that's what I feel like it would be there for me. I, um, like I said, I've been here about ten years. About three or four years in, I went back to the U.S. And I think, similar to what you're saying, actually the hardest thing was restarting because in Korea, it's like they give you a house, they give you great medical insurance, um, you've got something you're building on. And um, when I went back to the U.S., you know, like I got a job, but they wouldn't give me medical insurance for the first three months. I had to get a car, get a house. It was just <laughs> very overwhelming. And I thought, well, why would I, why would I do this? So that's it. that's the only experience I had was just like that six months went back for about six months but now um, my wife is Chinese and uh, 
we have a kid. No, no, no. I think the the U.S. is heading to the U.S. is the goal. Um, especially, I think, because I have a family. If I was single, I'd, I'm not sure that I would ever go back. But that's, I guess, that's why I'm picking your brain. I'm curious about it. So Hello. Others might be as well. That reset. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear home. me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Um, I started catching uh, some. Did, 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 did we lose the audio? Or are you still? What I said. It? I don't know. I can't tell. Okay. Okay. I'm not gonna leave yeah, this because I, I opened up a new um, window and then joined. The but I'm full through, so I don't want to close out of either of them. So I'm just gonna let them both stay open. Um, but yeah, you were saying about Taiwan. <laughs> okay. Well, that'll. Oh. Um. Well, I was just saying. The dilemma of heading back to the U.S. So that's why I was picking your brain, because um, my my wife's Chinese and uh, we'll be heading back to the U.S. But I had the experience in the past; like it was really hard to resettle. Yeah, definitely. I mean, start, which I guess this would be the, the third time I've came back to the states, <laughs> so <laughs> it seems to always be pulling me back. But I, I think that originally or each okay. time that we i had came back or that my wife and i when we came back from china we were just dating either i or us we <laughs> had the intention of going back abroad but this is the first time where we came back and there's no real intention to go back abroad um so, so in a sense all three of those times it was hard to restart because i was really only doing temporary okay. positions but now it's kind of all years ahead <laughs> to try to try to really push my career forward or start a business locally here right I think okay that yeah. makes sense you gotta be you gotta have that all in mindset maybe. or have it you know have it. Okay. Well, um, any closing thoughts? Any? Um, <laughs> I guess one one story funny, I like to crazy share. Culture shock I, it's not anything crazy. I guess it's just an anecdote. Back there in LA, my experience is that when I was in Taiwan, my Chinese wasn't very good. So a lot of times, when we went out, my wife would interact with everyone for us. <laughs> I could kind of like order coffee and stuff like that. So now being back here, I just oh, it's so awesome to be able to interact with oh. people and like really communicate what I want to say. Um, and so that's been that's been good. But now my wife is the one that doesn't interact with people. I'm usually the one <laughs> talking to talking to the waiter or waitress coming over. Yeah, that's that's really interesting to me because I also have a Chinese wife, and but I live in Korea, right. 
and her command of Korean is better than my command of Korean. Oh, okay. Both foreigners. But she wants me to take care of handle, handle things, so it's a, it's a constant struggle, right. like, getting things done, even though she's fluent and I have a base and I'm a beginner. But <laughs> I, I've, I swear up and down, like, hey, you know, if we were back in the U.S., I'd be able to handle all this, no problem. <laughs> this is not my country. I don't really understand how they do things here. It's kind of backwards to me, and I'm also... Yeah, I mean, it's kind of an idiot when it comes to <laughs> it is so nice, you a, know, to chat with that's people. That's an interesting experience for me to hear. Okay, well, we can end here. Uh, it's a great, it was a uh, great chatting with you again. I hope our listeners got as much out of this as I did. And um, I'll talk with you, Dustin, afterwards. Um, if you guys heard anything you're interested in, or maybe maybe Dustin mentioned a book, uh, feel free to comment, and uh, I'll try to throw any links down below if there's anything else we covered. Awesome. And, thank uh, you again, Hal, and thank you with that somewhere out there. I will. Uh, <laughs> Uh, thanks later. for having me on. It's fun, fun chatting. Like I said, I'm always always game to talk about education and international <laughs> education, English language education, and games and education. <laughs> Thank you. Great. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. We'll catch you later on. Cool. Um,